0: rocking chair, chair sessions session. with Elisa, with Elisa, Elisa, Elisa Di Battista Maria, Maria
1: Teresa, Teresa Barber Hello everyone and welcome to RCS rocking chair sessions volume 129 with director and curator of the University of Miami Gallery, Milagro, a.k.a. Millie Cardozo. Welcome. Oh, Thank you so much for having me. Thank you thank for visiting you. us after a long day of work and <laughs> taking the time in Miami traffic to come on over to visit us at the Bakehouse. We're neighbors. You're nearby. That's right. Yeah, because like, the Wynwood Gallery is right there. I could walk to you. Oh, I don't <laughs> walk at night, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's probably a 10-minute walk it's around. It's short, th- yeah.
2: Really, really, really short.
0: We're you right there. did want to Do you have an exhibit there too in the gallery, in the UM Gallery? It's no, like that was Jenna. Jenna Afreen. Uh, Jenna. Oh, Jenna's Jenna. Had yeah. amazing. Well, we, we loved it so check, much. Yeah. We went to go see her open. I've yes. exhibited there with the Pam's
2: yes. show. Yes. I have not I yet. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally They do it um, every two years. Every two years. Every right? two and years we host. In, always in the space. Yes. Yeah. How long has that space been open? Well, we've been in the neighborhood since I think. 2007, and in this particular, and in the Winwood building since 2012. Okay. So I mean, quite a long time. Back when um, I had to beg my friends to come to Winwood with me because they wouldn't. Um, and now you get. So what are you doing for Basel? I'm like Basel. You hmm. didn't want to come with me back then. And now everybody, <laughs> wants, now everybody, to everybody wants to go. I wants yeah, to partake, it was, in when the fun. It was um, a bit suspect. The neighborhood but I mean it's it's changed so much it really has it and has. I feel like that building
1: mm-hmm. with the stripes and it's just so iconic everybody it's, wants to take a selfie in
2: front of it. everybody everybody it's every day I mean you get quinceaneras like oh my goodness! What? like the 15 year olds wanting <laughs> to, so to take 15. your
0: pictures there it's, and all the tourists come over tourists now come come over. Over. Beach and they're like. but it's it's really busy
2: because you know you have a lot of restaurants and back in the day when I was in college there was nowhere to eat like yeah. there's no i mean you couldn't really stay there and you couldn't really hang there but now you eat mm-hmm. go to gallery you could go shopping it's 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 really changed throughout the years completely it's a total different experience totally like, different totally it's different phenomenal
1: from when you first started um us i guess the beginning when did you
2: first start working at the um gallery well back i f- first got there in June 2010, and then prior to that, I worked five years at PAM, well, formerly MAM, the Mammy Art Museum, and now it's PAM, um, under Terry Riley, I think, was he was the director at the time. And I left when I was research assistant and assisting in curatorial, and then I got the job at UM. But it all started just being at Barry, because that's where I got you know my major and all and it was really really fun it just art to me happened by accident completely um, in Barry, they make you take a theology class mm. so one of the lectures I remember was um, they were talking about the Annunciation and they showed uh, an image of the Annunciation by Fra Angelico and I was totally entranced, completely. Like It was as close to as I'll ever come to having a Stendhal syndrome. So I had to, I'm like, I need to know everything that there is to know about this painting. And the lecturer, she was very nice, and she even gave me a pamphlet with some of his information, and I decided right then and there, I'm gonna take every single art history class art his, you know, that Barry has to offer, and I did, and I, through that, I managed to get an internship with Mickey Wilson oh, that's so great. at the Mitchell Wilson Junior Private Collection. Now it's called the Study Center. Back then, it wasn't open to the public. And I mean, it was a blast working for Mickey because you're essentially working for a shopaholic, someone that just buys everything. I mean, it's you name it, rare books, furniture, photography, paintings. And my role there was essentially um, doing condition reporting photographing the collection. One day I walked in there and I saw a bed and the preparator told me, Well, it's one of Hitler's beds. I'm like, Hitler's beds. (laughs) Which is so funny because it looks so small. I'm like, well, that's the perfect size bed for a tiny man. (laughs) It was the creepiest looking thing ever, but I mean just everything. And that that got me really rolling into unexpected. The unexpected and really loving objects and and an artwork itself i'm um, just i have to be in this field so then i just kept going and studying and you know and i've always been curious to why art collectors collect certain work anyway so i mean it was really fun it was really fun
1: it's three different things when you think about it it's one the historical value of the object that you're looking at right right the second of all like why are you actually deciding to exhibit that object like for example you mentioned Mickey would like to purchase different things some of them are oddities not everybody would think of even finding that particular item being as special or unique to even purchase it Right. and then the last one is how and where do you exhibit and how do you showcase that artwork so I think all those things come together into play with what you do as your role as a director and curator well it um, was my first time
2: curating anything because part of the assignment was to curate an exhibition because he had a, a small space within in the warehouse it's actually a building in downtown oh, neat. and you had to curate a show a small show with some of his pieces and i did and i actually created a catalog for it and he oh, has it in wonderful. the collection which oh, is amazing excellent. but wow. this is back in i graduated in 05 so it happened probably in 03 i mean it was amazing it was a really really cool experience what was
0: the name of the exhibition How did oh you my cry? gosh
2: brandstatter pole and Cornelius, there was some painters that he had in the collection, and I love painting. You know, I I love abstract painters. Like I love Stanley Whitney. I think his colors are just bold and vibrant, and just a joy to look at. I like Federico Guerrero because he's you know really really fun, and and his work is just so colorful. And Carmen Herrera is my favorite. I love her. Mm-hmm. I think every young artist needs to see the 100 Year show the documentary. Yeah. Every artist should have that same insatiable drive. It's it's crazy. I mean she sold her first piece at eighty one. Mm-hmm. I know. Just decades of not being appreciated and it's just like not it's, giving it's up. A, not giving up. You have to stay a fire. You know, yeah. Yeah, you have to keep that fire and stay curious. It's something with working now in the university with young artists and you kinda have to stay driven and i know that sometimes it's so difficult to be an artist because you sometimes you want to fold uh, is my work making an impact you know are they looking are they not appreciated and you know but i think what it is is that if this is truly your passion you have to keep going you know you won't stop because you can't stop so and it's it's really really hard but it's just to me that's amazing how she managed to keep on creating yeah. creating and and staying at the game for so long
0: you know the receipt of fernandez talked about her she did a talk uh, fiu talk actually at the pam uh, this weekend and she said yeah carmen herrera just outlived all her, all the people that ignored her, yeah, she just outlived she all totally of them. She totally did, and she's now 105, and she's still making and art. She's still making art. And she's still like, um, funny. She uh, she also did like some public art that I saw in New York when I was there last. Uh, I was really excited to see like her, you know, geometric abstractions all in space. All of a sudden, it made so much sense to me to kind right. of like have the paintings come to life like that. But I mean, she's definitely. One of the artists that I think can inspire everyone that is struggling, yes. right? Because it's just like, yeah, well, you just keep on doing it, and then you you don't whatever happens, you, you know? don't give up. And mm-hmm.
2: it's actually a book that I recommend to, to actually so many of my artist friends. And this is this is going to sound really funny, but it's called *The Creative Habit* by Twyla Tharp. She's this dancer, it you know, dancer extraordinaire, choreographer, and she. It's so funny, because I've always been really curious to know how creatives create. And she talks about she breaks down all these misconceptions and stereotype about what an artist is, because many people think an artist is just this hippie floating, you know, floating on air. You get ideas in the shower, and you know, you just make it happen. And really, what it teaches you is that, it, it, it's a myth because it really is a process and it's basically an organized mind will be mo- most likely to succeed in a creative field, especially if you want longevity so just she has these so many good points you know on on if you reach you know if you I know artists fear hitting a wall because if, it's, if this is your livelihood it can be so scary and you just have to keep on. If you hit a wall you have to kind of go through it yeah go you back have to, to it. go back to it and face it because sometimes you know your your instinct is just to walk away and you might not want to come back to it ever so you just it have to happened, keep on yeah you have to keep on plugging you mm-hmm. know in, in terms of you know i think you're, uh, the job of just an artist is just to stay in the arena you you know and Send emails, contact you know, contact museums, visit museums, see shows, you know. Not everybody is gonna understand what you're doing, but you kind have inspired. to believe in what you're doing yeah. as an artist. Yeah. The self-belief is huge. Yeah, There are huge
1: moments of doubt. I wanted to more or less step into the the role of the intern. You mentioned how when you were actually going to Barry as a student, you got this great opportunity to intern. Do you also feel like within the program that you have set up at the University of Miami through the gallery, do you try to have interns as well to give them that opportunity that you Some were able to do, have? Some do,
2: yes. I know a, a photography major that interned with, um, in Wynwood. Uh... Margulies mm-hmm. yeah yeah a lot do a lot of them do and I think it's important to seek that out on your own just so you could get this hands-on experience with artwork um see I I've never worked for a commercial gallery hmm and I've always was on the side of the appreciation aspect of it the educational aspect of it but it's important to if you're trying to sell work you know work for a gallery a commercial gallery and find out how they do things you know and how how they sell and you know how do they build a clientele so it's definitely something that they they do i mean mostly in the masters i think they're really focusing on their craft making their work and the program. making their mm-hmm. work constantly being better like an advice that i would probably i mean i i would tell th- the grad students or just any student studying in art is to listen to your professors I mean, they have a plethora of information. And these are artists themselves. They're, they're dying to talk to you about their work and why they're so passionate of it, you know, about it. And the thing is, you're not always going to agree with your professor. I mean, you might not always see eye to eye, but that's okay. Because sometimes it's more about what you... Sometimes it's not always about what you want to do. It's more about what you don't want to do. Sounding board, also. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Getting feedback.
1: Not always oh. welcome, because because I, I was I remember when I went to UM a long time ago. I won't say what year. There was an intern program, and so that's where I actually learned. The love and passion of how to hang an artwork, how to light a piece, right? How to deinstall, how to install, how to treat other people's artwork with a certain amount of like respect. Who installs
2: the shows? We at have the a gallery? preparator on staff, oh, nice. actually, and sometimes they do it on their own, okay, with the help of the preparator. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important that you know how to handle your own work because not all galleries will have a preparator on hand, and not all artists know how to hang their own work, right? Right. Not all artists know how to photograph their work, and it's I'm so my hand. important. <laughs> don't know how it is it's important to have a good image to have a good and you know most people will think well the the actual piece speaks for itself but no you need to have a you have to have good representation yeah right you need to be able to show that you need to be able to put it out there and you know if they want to do a feature on you you need to be able to give them a decent photograph of your of your piece it's not that easy at all it's difficult
0: I, I I feel like I agree with you. I, I think the last maybe the, the last couple of years, especially here at the Bakehouse also, we've been like constantly always trying to, you know, increase the quality of the photography. You know, of the, um, the photography of the artwork. Yes. You know, and uh, like we have workshops about it, and we also have thank God a couple of photographers in in the Bakehouse that are really really That's helpful. So nice. yeah. and that uh, I I feel like opened up also my eyes a little bit more what difference it makes you know to especially look at the background or look you know even do a lot of photoshop work and um funny enough um um my friend kyoko from from japan she was here um when i first when i first got here we we bought some lights you know some nice lights together so we could learn how to photograph our pieces and then you know, kind of develop it from there. But uh, but I think it's also it's it's really challenging depending on um, you know, if the work if it's a flat painting, it's much easier than it's if it's like three dimensional. Right. It depends on the colors. Exactly. It depends on, you know, do you have the space and is the is the the actual colour coming through yeah. in the photograph? So, yeah. All those. And I mean in the end it's if you have the money, it's probably always the best idea just to pay someone because they yes. know what they're doing, you know? yeah. and then they give you not just uh, you know they give you the, the right size for the web and the right size for your I don't know submissions to to openings or for for publications and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's been I feel like I've been struggling with it a lot, but in the end, I feel like paying someone who knows what they are doing is just a really great way to get good photographs but
2: also in terms of that's one aspect in presentation yeah how do you properly present the work because it does make a difference and poorly presented work I I say this all the time ruins the experience for a lot of people Yeah, yeah you have to you know I'm not saying spend hundreds of dollars on a frame but get a frame, you know, like at least have some sort of presentation that's clean, that is worthy of the work because they, people do notice just, I mean. Yeah,
1: I notice for sure.
2: Yeah, people do notice that the first thing they see, I'm like, oh, this painting is great, but you know, they didn't really what's up with the edges. (laughs) And you're kind of like, you know, and I think, I think it's overlooked by a lot of people, presentation, and I think that's we're volunt- you know, at least interning in a, in a gallery or in a museum. You start. A you state. see, mm-hmm. you see, the, cl- the, you know, how clean, and crisp the, the, the installation is, and how you know, in terms of spacing your work, and you start thinking about how you're gonna, present it to the public. It's so totally. important. Mm-hmm. Huge. huge, huge. How many
1: exhibits do you think you've done since you've started at UM? Well, we do
2: one every month. Wow. Yeah. So we have a turn. It's hardcore. It's Yeah, every month there's a new one. And if not, we'll just, it'll maybe, it, it'll run for two months. In the summer, it's kind of quieter because the students are out of town, fac- faculty's out of town, so we kind of do more of our resting around the summer. But even in the summer, we still have exhibitions going on all throughout. And those are all exhibitions that are from the graduate students or well, undergrad as a, well? Well, it's a little bit of everything. So the space itself is open to current students, alumni, faculty. So you just submit a proposal and
0: you That's exciting. do it.
2: That's <laughs> so yeah, neat. it's alumni. It could, be a, it could be anything. I mean, and it's funny because even in PAM, we had so many of our alumni work at PAM. Wow, So it's,
0: like you know, it, it just, it works, it cool.
2: works out that, that way. So in the spring, it's mostly graduate students. They have their thesis show in the space. Mm-hmm. So they each get a month. Cool. So it will probably be taken. So we've tried to book a year in advance. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, give or take. You kind have so, that set up. Uh, it's been, it's
1: one after another. Scheduling is huge. Scheduling. We schedule in advance to our boat till Dollar.
2: January of next year. Well, and The Low, oh, they do yeah. such great things, too. Oh, The Low. We love Jill Duby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's and the, awesome. I mean, the show that they have there now is amazing. Is it the Carlos Estevez yes. show? I haven't seen
0: it yet. I really want to go and see it. I yeah. fell in
2: love with the one um, Marcelo Bonavarti oh my gosh it was so that show was on flame it was so good it was so good and they they're doing a, a lot of interesting programming now and it has changed since
1: like the year you mentioned that you started like the 2010 Two th- yes it has absolutely. so changed she's been there she's turned over the place like
2: immensely it's it, yeah It's and she's yeah it went from being dormant her. to like really awaken the space mm-hmm. absolutely really lovely. absolutely and, and she's very nice
0: i yeah. oh, super nice yes um, how do you um, kind of put, like, what is your role in, like, putting the shows together and, and kind of, like, how do you support the students? And what do you also think is, uh, like, the common problems with, like, you know, um, well, yeah, like, things that arise? I mean, I mean, things that you feel like artists really have to learn or that you feel like that's kind of challenging. At least organized. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: honesty, yeah. Like like I was telling you about having the organized mind and having good habits in place. I mean it's so important to be organized and, and be on time because I mean we're you know we're very flexible but not all our galleries are. And, I mean once you hit in terms of the real world it's a totally different experience completely different. Mm-hmm. So I mean any type of, any way that you can be more organized and be more prepared is, is perfect but I mean, our students—they're—they're they're very talented, each each of them. And it's just—we have so many different areas to work with. So there's sculpture, there's ceramic, photography, graphic design, painting, just drawing, everything. It's—it's it's all mediums that you can think of. So it's—it's it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, so far, it's been—it's been—it's been okay. I mean, there's always some bumps here and there, but it's mostly okay
1: i'm also curious to you know like i feel like sometimes when you are a beginner um like an undergrad like you're not really you have a vision like you want your work to look good but you don't really know how you want that to come across so just, sometimes you give them advice of like different options that they have like pedestal versus closer to the floor being yes. taped off versus on the wall like i feel like that's something they might come
2: into yes, you talk about that absolutely a bit? um well it's a little bit of everything because uh, it's also what what can be done in a space because you have to think consider your surroundings and what is possible in the space. I mean, can you hang on the ceiling, can you not? And it's always, I kind of take things as they come in mm-hmm. terms of what they're presenting at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it, it really just all depends on what they're working on and how much you know, how the sizing, whether it's a, it, it's a safety issue, I mean, all of that comes into play. So, and also you wanna make sure that there's plenty of room for people to come around, you don't know, want people to bump in the work. Like it's just, um, and anything can happen though. I mean, I accidentally dropped a ceramic piece myself. No, oh, oh my gosh, it was awful. You know her, Alex. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we're fine, but um, she's so sweet, though. She she's. I it. love her. I love her work. She's so talented. She's absolutely. T- I actually have one of her pieces. But oh, that's great. It could happen. It could. I mean, accidents do happen, and sometimes you kind of have to expect. The unexpected. (laughs) The unexpected. You're gonna have to expect somebody coming in and and bumping your piece. You know, or anything could go wrong. So you kind of have to Mm -hmm. be prepared, and know that um, things will happen. Accidents will happen in any space. It happens in the best of them. It happens in museums, and you just kind of have to take all type of safety precautions in terms. You know, no one's perfect. Things can happen. You have to make sure that your piece is really, really well made too, and in in all aspects, packaging also. I mean, that's creating and shipping. That's an art form. Huge. It's huge. Yeah. So, I mean. There's a lot to consider. I mean, being an artist is so difficult.
1: But I can imagine you unpackaging these things and then having to put them together. Which are your favorite exhibits to like um, select or or curate the pieces or where they go? Or do you allow the artist, if they envision where they want things to go, do you guys have a conversation or do you just like? Well, basically, I I mean, I ask
2: them in terms of how they want the visitor to experience the piece. Mm -hmm. Um, I handle placement in terms of location. But, I mean, if they have a strong feeling that, it, okay, it needs to go by a window, then, then we talk about it. Then that's kind of how it goes, you know? And... It, it, it could it varies every show I mean it's honestly I never know what to expect <laughs> are the BFA shows still housed in the the B, we do those on campus okay I yeah. was about to say we do those on campus and then the MFA thesis show are in um
0: you yes. uh, these are all solo shows right yes the, the, yes that's, but the BFA
1: show is a group show mm-hmm. Yes. Yes.
0: So yes. how many
2: students are more or less in a BFA show? Well, okay. An average, I think we've had from seven to just one. Wow. This semester, we just have one. That's amazing. But it's so fun. It varies per semester. I mean, I think the average would be six. Some, I mean, we've had eight. We've had three. It just all depends on whether it's fall or um you graduate in the fall or graduate in the spring. Yeah, It all it's depends. It's better to graduate in the fall for those of you out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Mine only had two people, it's easier in the fall. It's easier in the fall, did yeah. you have a lot of people? It was just two people. Just two, yeah. okay. And I really, I don't know where, where is it that the show takes place specifically on campus?
2: Um, it used to, years ago, take place in the Cass Gallery. That's where so it was. They've clo- yeah. Yes, they've closed the space and oh, now it's on. Yeah, it, it sucks. <laughs> so now it's on um, the Rainbow Building. Okay, great. Do you great. remember that? I've never. What was heard... your major? Um, graphic design. Graphic design. Yeah. 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 It's in where the offices Okay. Is in the second floor. Oh, it's I've never really been nice to the space. second floor. That's amazing. I'll have to go to the next one. It used to be um, Professor Darby Banner's um, old studio, oh, which cool. is really nice. So mean, it's a really large space. Right. I was large. curious
1: because I heard rumors about how the undergrad students. I think the class before me, which was in the spring, I think it was like 12 of them, and they would argue over space. So I was wondering how you, as a role of director and curator, like, do you have to like navigate through like these artist personalities or people saying, I want this much space or this many pieces like how do you kind of sort of you know go through that
2: and support people and save time calm them down you definitely sometimes I, I try to be fair to everybody in terms of equal spacing as much as possible I mean sometimes if you have pedestal pieces that kind of you know gives more room to the walls but I think you sometimes have to cut pieces out there's no way because I mean there's only so many pieces that will fit nicely in a show um, I i I rather not hang so long style. It's mm-hmm. just not how I like to do things, I mean, visually. Um, and I think every piece needs its own kind of breathing room. Totally, I so agree So with that. if it's for 12, maybe four. You know, maybe each of them get four, depending what they are, depending on the size, if it's too big. So it just, it really varies in terms of the dimensions of the piece. So it's different, it's just, and, it's it's so, um, it's funny. It's it's so different. When I did a show with Biloxi.
1: I love her. We You're, love her. We had her on here.
2: She's so cool. Like, oh, she's amazing. She's everything. She's she's a renaissance woman. She does. <laughs> she's, and as a performer, I mean, we did a show together recently. Yes, I'm a Witch is the one I curated for Fat Village. Fat Village, and, yes. Yep. Yeah. And she did, a performance of it and her piece consisted of sculpture and a performance and oh my gosh she blew everybody away her performance was crazy like Biloxi to me is fearless like I think she's she's the coolest and but it I think it works out nicely I think when there's synergy and you know everybody's getting along it just comes together really nicely and I think there has to be I think artists sometimes they come in and like they just want to show but when you have an exhibition it kind of has to flow there needs to be cohesion uh, yeah yeah. even if it's different entities and some of that consists of compromise so you have to you know sometimes you kind of have to compromise and and work it out but <laughs> but it works out so it's we've never really had a problem which is really good you mentioned um
1: the witch exhibit can you discuss like the projects outside of yum that you had the chance to dabble in
2: and that you're excited about well um so the last one i did was um at fat village is yes i'm a witch i really really have in mind to do a photography exhibition i might partner with leah again on another show leah brown she's the director um for fat village in the park gallery she's just amazing and um those i do on my own and i i don't curate often in terms of when it comes ideas mm-hmm. for me, I just, I keep it one one a year because it is so stressful and it's a lot because I Time have consuming. a day job, you yeah, know, totally. and then this is something that I do just as a creative outlet, so um, I've done a few of those and I've worked with Biloxi actually twice, yeah, and then she's, it's so funny how I got to work with her, it, I don't think she remembers this, but I, so when i was in school when i was in Barrie, i actually went to see one of her performances i think she was a student at the time and it was a mind blowing performance and i think with when it comes to performance artists to me a good performance artist is one that doesn't perform for you that a good performance artist will invite you into their world and you'll experience what they're going through and if it pleases you fine but if not no and that's to me, she just blew my mind. And, and then I, mm-hmm. years later, I saw her in an art fair, and I approached her and I pretty much begged her to be in my show. I think I
1: offered her <laughs> he my fangirl. girl. I,
2: I totally stalked her. That's like amazing. I think she doesn't even remember this, but I'm like, I think I, I told her I will give you a lap dance if you <laughs> be in my exhibition. You know, firstborn child, whatever. <laughs> and she's like, of course I'll do it. And she, the first show was um, Ripper to Shreds in Fat Village, and she did an amazing performance. I really thought that she was gonna faint or something. I mean, that's heart and soul. Like, Part of me was like, do I go in and stop her from from continuing? (laughs) And knowing Biloxi, she'd kill me if I interrupted her in any way, but. Wholeheartedly, she just does everything so passionately. Yeah, 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 and it's so funny then, and that's the best part of curating, is meeting different artists, and seeing different personalities, and really getting to know these creative, wonderful people. Who you know become your friends, and it's amazing. Just you know, I think that part is really wonderful. Yeah, it's really rewarding. Yeah, for you
0: I re- I remember one of Palak's performances too, also in Fat Village. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then she's she's a we interviewed her. Yeah, totally. She, we interviewed her a while back, but yeah, she's a wonderful performer. I agree. Um, so yeah, um, you're you're basically curating like once. I show once a month for almost for um for um, for UM. For UM. And, and then, then I do it's like on my once, own once a year that you can do the, uh, like an yeah, independent
2: an independent mm-hmm. and I could do it in the space which is great and sometimes I go outside
0: mm-hmm. and I
2: could do you know either either way they do give me that creative freedom to nice. to do my own exhibition because the others really um, I it's more of organizing it's like your director role of managing managing now. in terms of that but. In terms of the stories I want to tell and, and you know, um, subjects I want to tackle, that's all on me. And I'll do that separately, you know, and then with it in the university. So um, I also did an exhibition with Carol Todaro. It was a solo show. And again, she's meticulous, just exquisite work. I mean, solid bookmaker, um, just beautiful, beautiful, pristine work. And it was amazing. That's another... Person that I totally fangirled for. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been really lucky that I've gotten to work with really a lot of talented ladies. Yeah.
0: what are the like when when you're doing your your you know your independent curating? What are the themes or the you know that did you kind of like to tackle with your exhibitions or or also kind of like how do you come up with a with a theme for an exhibition? Is it more like you you see an artist and you're kind of building you know an exhibition around that artist or is it like you come up with like a topic or a theme or um, how do I think you think the about the, that? the
2: the storytelling comes first mm-hmm. i I definitely for yes I'm a witch um it was around the time with the election and um <laughs> and the current president that we have and that that was a big big um Force And I really, I mean, it's, it's, no, it's no secret how even nowadays women are still treated unfairly. And it's infuriating, you know, that we don't even have control of our own bodies sometimes. It's just, it's nuts. And in that show, it, it was really about tackling the patriarchy. And I really, that's a, definitely a story that I wanted to tell and dealt with an um, aspect in terms of modern times and also... Re- visiting, revisiting the history of um, witch hunts and the, you know, the different persecution, the persecution yeah. of of women, just because they didn't fit societal norms, you know. And there was, um, I had so many, ins- I have so many ladies inspiring me at that time. One was Sinead O'Connor and um, Yoko Ono. I mean, just a few, just to name a few of, you know, because it's named after um, her song. Yes, I'm a witch, and music also inspires me a lot. Mm-hmm. Usually, many of my shows are titled with song titles. I don't know. I, I just the way I see it is, I really want to tell a story, and I and I pick the artists that usually tell the same similar story, and it works out. Mm-hmm. So um, it it it's different. It's it's different for me every every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm kind of still thinking about the next one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what I want to do, but um, mm-hmm. it might deal a lot with um, dreaming and, and and state of dreams. So we'll see. Hopefully that will work out. But I really I don't know in terms of what what will happen next. It's it's different. Um, my first one, Ripper to Shreds, dealt with mo- mother daughter relationships and mental illness. Mm-hmm. So. I usually take a topic that's close to my heart and and want to elaborate on it and pick artists that kind of help me tell the story, you know. That's but, cool. And it kind of it it works out really really well. So, mm-hmm. do you limit yourself
1: with the quantity of artists that you put into a show like 20 or 30 or I like 15 or 10? I always want to
2: say that I want to work with less and less just because it's just Easier that way, but no, um, it could be. I've for for the witch show it was thirteen. 13 such a good number. It's a total number for a coven. Yeah, <laughs> so had to be there. had to be thirteen. I, no, I had fourteen, but oh, someone okay. dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> that was thirteen. Was an accident, but um, no, I don't. I don't limit to it. I it could be any number. I'm I'm really open. I prefer to work with less because there's only so much room a venue can offer you you know and you want to make sure that the show looks good that it's not cramped and that everybody has their breathing room and everybody is given um space to shine and and that their work shines and I think that's really important to me that they're really happy and that they feel that their work is appreciated and in a location that they like and you kinda there's so much aspects to it. You I mean you can't please everybody, you so know, true. obviously. But you know, you wanna try. Like I i, I wanna try. I could have thought
0: you know Ria. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting because we were talking about the creative processes of an artist, right? Yeah. And I like to compare the creative process of a curator. And I and, and I I think there is there are a lot of similarities too you know yes. because i mean there are also artists who start with a with a theme and then build their artwork build, around it, it you know and in a way your artwork is the exhibition but you kind of build it build it yeah with you know, putting the artwork together and. Yeah, I think um, it's important that it's, it's also a learning experience. You need to
2: l- l- learn. I've, I've, I have a lot to learn. Like, I feel like I, I want to learn so much more. <laughs> you know, you never stop trying to. to How do you say? It? You never stru- stop trying to be better. And yeah. you want your next show to be better the top than the last, last one. Right. Yeah, agreed. You
1: know? You don't want to be complacent and just like it. You don't want yeah, yeah. exactly. to be growth
0: were there were there like curators that you were really inspired by when you first started out or or you're still you know is it where was it like someone where you feel like oh yeah I I, kind of like totally um, I'll expand that maybe even galleries as well so wanna Um, learn from that person I'm
2: much more inspired by the artist by the artist themselves it's Um, definitely about the artist mm -hmm. for for sure you know Mm -hmm. like you always have this wish list of artists that you want to work (laughs) with? Who's on your wish list? Oh my gosh, I would, Leonardo Drew. I think if I ever met, I have so, I feel like I have so many questions for him. If I ever met him, I would have to rein myself in and not be a complete geek because he's just, I think his story is so interesting. He just makes me question how I visualize things you know he made, he's made me look at art differently and challenge and he challenges me in such a cool way and he's from
0: Florida yes. Jacksonville right yeah? Yeah, yeah
2: and i read an article where he said once i want to learn as much as possible because i want to give back as much as possible mm-hmm. and i'm so. like well that's that's an artist there yeah. you go I, I mean leonardo drew for sure i love and and i'm i'm really into arte Bora. i i think I can't imagine what an exciting time it would have been like to be around in the late 60s with pistoletto ro- ro- rolling this giant newspaper ball down the streets of Turin and having everybody look and say what the hell is this <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. and I love that era in art I love post-war Italian just they used you know have, like raw materials and raw materials and Everything that they've come up with was just so exciting, you know. Boetti is another one that I love. It's just, I'm, I mean, um, Troy Simmons. You have
1: our our neighbor, have you Have our a good one. We yeah. have a He's Near, so Troy, kind. Ch- we Troy love is Troy. just
2: amazing. I love his work so much, and he was in one of my exhibitions. I just, I couldn't believe that he said yes, but it was for Burst, and it was an homage to that movement and he's just another, he's just someone so exciting to, to, to see. His work is just dynamite.
1: Totally. Yeah. His attitude is dynamite and so is his hairstyle. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> And his style overall. We talked overall. a lot about
0: his hair. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's so cool. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask, where do you want to push the gallery from when you first started? Like, How, how, how far do you
2: feel you've come, and where do you want to push it towards the future? I think it's it's gotten it's since I've been there it's just it's just been better. It's more and more professional level work. The work has been amazing. It's it's come so long. It's come a long way. And we have amazing students. I think that's that's amazing. I mean, I think I would definitely into the area of performance art host a, a type of series where we could have a, per, a new performance artist every month would be wonderful. I think mm-hmm. that's the one thing I wish we had more of is, sometimes we do, I mean, I'm not saying that we don't have it at all, but definitely in terms of performance, I think that's that's wonderful if we could move to that direction. Mm-hmm. But we, we're really lucky, we have great students and space the space is phenomenal
1: for the those of you that haven't green. been to that space you have to check the UM gallery where is it located specifically in the winwood it's
2: inside the winwood building where suite 4 yes and I mean gorgeous. it's just it, it's it's a really really nice space and it's inviting in a way there's parking yes clean bathrooms yeah the older <laughs> <And> space <laughs> was kind of spooky if anybody remembers it was okay back. so you, yeah you remember the old space oh yeah that was near, scary yeah. yeah it was scary times back then there was like a shootout in the corner <laughs> But I mean, that's just a given, and I think that space was wonderful too. It was just completely different. It, was, it was definitely a, separate, a project space. Yeah, it was totally project space. Where this is to me, this is much more it's a such gallery, a professional mm-hmm. gallery, right? Yeah, very different, and the I way we treat it. it is very different. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Where do you see yourself going from you know your? kind of looking into the future where it where would be like... Uh, oh, my gosh. Would, would it be like more, I don't know, opening up your own gallery or going to a museum or where do you see yourself?
2: I mean, I do love... I loved my time at the museum. I think it was really great. I mean, Dreamwise, a, a show that I would love to curate is a retrospect on Angela Costa Leon, who's a Cuban abstract painter. Um, I happened like... Just, I was in Cuba and I was in the National Museum in Cuba and I saw one of his paintings and fell completely in love. And I thought, one day I'm going to own one of his pieces. So I come to my, I mean, I go back home and I start researching him and he died very young. So he died in 1964 and he was only 34 years old. Wow. So there's some speculation around his death because apparently he he was lost at sea or he died at sea. And just out of coincidence, I was just researching him, and there happened to be one of his pieces on an online auction for his work. And the dealer was in Miami. Oh, my God. So I call up the dealer, and I'm, I'm like, hi. I, I introduce myself. I'm like, I know you have an Angela Costa León. Um, may I see it? And we schedule an appointment. I went over there. I saw it, and I immediately, you know, I love his work so much. So I was like, the energy was buzzing off of this piece. I said, I'm not leaving here without this piece. It's mine. So I I was able to buy it. That's so it was amazing. kind of like amazing. So I did some more research in terms of um, who he was as an artist. Unfortunately, there's not that many works because he died so young. So if there's something I could do in terms of future, I would love to Contact each a, collector and, and, and be like, hey. There's some pieces. Sernula so has a few of his drawings. And I know Nader has some of his paintings. But they're they're really hard to come by. And um there's definitely a lot of speculation on his death. That there might have been some sort of foul play involved. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, this is stuff that I've researched. But... Apparently, he was, he was just a gay artist, suffered from depression, and I just, I don't know, his work really spoke to me. So, so I, that's definitely something I would do. On your like list? To, yeah. On my bucket list would be to curate an exhibition. It would have to be in a museum because it would be a lot of money to try to acquire his pieces. Um, he had moved to Paris in 1960. And my piece is actually signed and dated 1963 Paris. So um, he did a lot of his work there and a lot of his pieces remained. And apparently when he went back to Cuba, some of his work is still in Cuba, so. Between Paris and Cuba and. So it, it would be trying to acquire all his pieces. I would love to do that. That's no, definitely insurance yours. on it. I think yeah. um, talking to a lot of
1: the museum directors, you realize how there's so many hands involved in trying to bring these pieces um, to a specific show. And sometimes you do want a piece to come to the show, but either it's out on loan, or it's not available, or it's too expensive to even ship, Wait, and then you can't afford shipping, it. So. Yeah,
2: from different countries, mm, yeah. it's a nightmare. Sometimes yeah. it's just so hard to do. So I, I can't even. I mean, I. I, I can't imagine how the museums do it, but it, yeah, it's it's a lot of work, and sometimes you would have issues with customs and all that stuff. So uh, I don't I don't know. I think I would ha- it would have to be in a museum because <laughs> do I don't I know. Do have me? the logistics and it's the support, a, the financial support, the support and, and everything? It. Yeah, but yeah. But that would be my dream is mm-hmm, to curate sure. and a retrospective of his work. I mean, he have a
0: museum to, show
2: ever? Or he, yeah, he will. I mean, he definitely showed in in Havana where he born and raised in Havana and he sold a lot of pieces in Paris and he did very well there so um, apparently in he was awarded a, a travel grant oh. um, f- for the um, the National Institute of Tourism in Cuba and he got to move there and do more work there apparently the, the speculation on surrounding his death was that he was on from, he had gone to an anti-communist protest in Paris, and he had been photographed. And at that time, it apparently it went. Word got to, that, to home, and and he he found out while he was traveling back, saying. Once we dock, you might get arrested. This is from an article. I'm not 100% sure. I mean, there's. I mean, I don't know how accurate it is. If there's anybody out there who knows? Who knows? Millie. Please let Yeah, let us know. But apparently, they 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 told him, no, you're going to be arrested when when we dock, and he committed suicide. It man? was so. I mean, really, really sad and heartbreaking. And then there's other articles that I read that he, he might have had syphilis. So it's. I mean, it's a short life, and in, but interesting. Life, oh,
1: it's you know, like Caravaggio. Like you don't know who took him out. Was it the
2: church? You was it know, people that were upset because he had an STD? Was I it like mean, it's like
1: mysterious? Being but in
2: jail back then. I mean, that's a fate worse than death in that time. So yeah, I had a teacher who was from Cuba and she was jailed in prison and yeah, fed her, it's, like, it's n- no not joke. Not even food. It was like spaghetti with worms and all kinds of. Oh my gosh, meals there's no. It was it's horrifying. no joke. No joke. And but I just. Really, really fell in love with his work, and he paints a lot of um, mechanical forms, cafeteras, you know, like coffee pots. Oh, that's so my piece is of a coffee pot. So, and I like to think that he painted in a really happy time in his life, you know, because Paris, I mean, you're in Paris. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he, he thought about staying there because he did so well there, and he was so happy there, and, and thrived there, and. I like to think that that piece was made in a happy time of his life. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just my me putting my thoughts on it. I don't know. Your interpretation. Um, okay, before
1: Maria asks her final question, um, what kind of programming, other than obviously you guys do have the exhibits, do you guys have surrounding the exhibits, like, like maybe artist talks or panels or public coming in or programs? Like, Can you please talk about that a little bit?
2: Well, sometimes we have uh, Q&As okay. with the artist. And our last talk was really interesting. we've we had Elizabeth Condon. She's amazing, another painter so talented. And so um, it's it's different every time. And um, uh, Carol did a talk there as well when she had her exhibition. So it, it depends on, more Chris. or less the, the students and sometimes they'll do if they want to they can have a Q&A we actually leave it open when it comes to the thesis show whether they have, want to have a and a or have a lecture they can we have chairs set up in the space and we've done round tables so that part of it yeah it's
0: um, open it's open and, oh, That's uh, kind of cool all righty so the very last question you've been sitting in a magical rocking chair and it grants you three wishes you can wish for anything and everything but you have to say it out loud for it to come true oh these are the rules of the rocking chair (laughs) what are your three wishes oh
2: i think i would have to use them for for things that really concern me and things that I think are wrong in our society. So uh, definitely hunger. <laughs> I, I read the most heartbreaking article on children in poverty where the kids some kids eat two meals a week. I'm like, how is this possible in the United States? You know, it, it kind of blows my mind. I would end that, absolutely. I mean, we need a society where everybody is taken care of and we just don't have that. Um, second would be, um, and gun violence. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, if it was up to me, I would eradicate all guns. I, I hate guns, so <laughs> take them all. Um, I, would, I would definitely end gun violence, for sure, because I think it's a huge issue. And third, I would create a real safe haven for people suffering from mental illness. I mean, we, we have a terrible health care system, and there's not much access or care. We have... The streets are jail, and that's where a lot of people end up, and they don't belong there. Um, they need help, and that's, that's definitely something I would do and try to do better at. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sitting with us, Millie. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you. And we Thank will be connecting. Thank you for sitting with us.
0: And I really hope that show is going to come together I hope now. So. Let's <laughs> see put it out there in the universe, universe, please. <laughs> please.
1: <laughs> um, and for our listeners who are interested in finding out on different programming and stuff for the University of Miami Gallery, um, where Millie is the director and curator, we will be linking um, her information to our website so you can check it out. And um, thank you for sticking around. Thank you, Millie, for visiting. And um, Maria Teresa and I, the announcement, shall we?
0: November
1: 21st. Yes,
0: we is are fundraising. Give Miami Day, and we are participating uh, with rocking chair sessions. So uh, you have to wait until November 21st, but then there will be a donate button next to our name and um, we will
1: be handing out swag we have totes and cups
0: for those of you that have the chance to donate y'all
1: know we don't like to ask for money this is actually really embarrassing for us but we just want the soundcloud and the website to survive on its own for 2020 and that's what our goal is very you know humble but we appreciate you and we're thankful and sorry millie that we kind of sort of broadcasted that during your session no it's but so important you need support we absolutely need the support. um buttons for a dollar you just holler let us know um and and we'll see y'all next week.
0: We'll be back with 130. 130. Woo-hoo. Insane.
1: <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Malay. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone.